This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there, too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Reality, the whole thing is just one big uh, set of compromises. <laughs> for example, when we started the project, we didn't get official funding. It was bottoms-up project, and which is was a really cool at, uh, tuber at the time that you could start project like that and still get support from your management and then get official funding if it's successful. When we started the project, I told Samar, I don't like simple workflow design, even conceptually. I want to redo all of that. His answer was, and he's a very practical guy. He's like more practical <laughs> than I am. He said, there is no way, right? We have zero funding. We have no time. We need to launch something. Let's just make something which looks like a simple workflow, at least on the high level. My name is Maxim Fatif. I'm CEO and co-founder of Temporal. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing at the back end who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried to begin. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, how Maxim Fatif is giving you code for more reliable systems, helping you deliver your features faster. Maxim Fatif grew up in the Soviet Union and witnessed its collapse. He left in 1995 and moved to Brazil, where he got his master's in computer science. In the late 90s, he moved to the U.S., eventually landing in Seattle, which he loves. He's been married for 27 years with three boys and loves to hike, play ice hockey, and snowboard. He mentioned there were a number of mountain choices, but he prefers Whistler in Canada when he can make the five-hour drive. During the development of open source services at Amazon, Maxim came across the idea of durable execution. Eventually, at Uber, he launched an open source library that eventually would become the basis of his current venture. This is the creation story of Temporal. We started as an open source project. Obviously, we have a company now to monetize that and and company is the main contributor to the core project. But again, it's mostly the most important thing about it. It's an open source project. Imagine you can write code and there is runtime. We should preserve the full state of execution of that code all the time, durably. We call it durable execution. So for example, if you have a function which calls three APIs, A, B, and C, and this function is blocked on API B, and then process which hosts this function crashes, Temporal will resurrect that function in a different machine 
in exactly the same state. They still will be blocked on B, all the local variables, everything will be preserved. From the programmer point of view, nothing happened. This process just keeps running as nothing happened, and B can unblock two days later and continue. It eliminates so much code which deals with failures, persistence. Temporal makes it uh, seamless. You just write code and this code keeps running in presence of any failure. I joined Amazon first time in 2002, and back then I worked in a platform team. We owned quite a few technologies, but one of them was practically pops up, like publish, subscribe, messaging, queuing. And I was tech lead, I became tech lead of that team. I helped to design the distributed storage for queuing systems. As somebody who was overseeing the whole pops up ecosystem of Amazon and talking to a lot of teams, doing designs, it, it became pretty clear that event-driven systems are not the right abstraction to build uh, such uh, services. So we started to think about orchestrator. So we iterated multiple times, and the third version became public, and it's still a public AWS service called AWS Simple Workflow, SWF. During developing that service, uh, this idea of durable execution came to my mind. And then uh, what happened is that we still didn't nail the developer experience, so idea was there, but it wasn't very well executed. After some time, me and my co-founder who worked with me on a Simple Workflow ended up an Uber. And at Uber, we initially built a pops-up system because this is <laughs> we did all our lives. But then we actually decided to build a similar thing to Simple Workflow. We called it Cadence, and we started as an open-source project. So this project organically grew from zero to over 100 use cases in three years at Uber. And it was built as an open-source from the beginning, so it started to get an external adoption. And we started the company four years ago. Let's dive into the MVP of Temporal then. So that first version of the product you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools were you using to bring it to life? First version was at Amazon. It was three iterations. But if you talk about the actual project, which we built at Uber, it took us probably half a year to put it in production. And we already knew what we are doing because we had previous experience building such systems. We built it from the beginning as a highly scalable system, but it took quite a while to make it robust and scalable and like production worthy. Okay, so with that first version and really with any sort of first version, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs, right? You probably had some of the more, more powerful ones already worked out because you've been doing this for a long time. But I'm curious if there were any with Temporal, with that first version that you launched in six months, that you had to work through and how you coped with those decisions. In reality, the whole thing is just one big uh, set of compromises. <laughs> For example, when we started the project, we didn't get official funding. It was a bottoms-up project, and which is, was a really cool at, at Uber at the time, that you could start project like that and still get support from your management and then get official funding if it's successful. But we had practically zero funding and just me, co-founder Samar, and an engineer to start on that. So we had to do a lot of compromises. The first compromise was that when we started the project, I told Samar, I don't like simple workflow design, even conceptually. I want to redo all of that. And I have a lot of ideas how to improve on that. His answer was, and he's a very practical guy. He's like more practical <laughs> than I am in our know, relationship. And he said, there is no way, right? We have zero funding. We have no time. We need to watch something. Let's just make something which looks like a simple workflow, at least on the high level. And it worked out very nicely. And there were obviously a lot of like smaller design decisions we had to make during that. But the main one was that we just decided to don't do it right from the beginning because it could take like a few months just of the design time. 
we decided not to build our storage layer. We decided to use an existing database. And back then, the only highly scalable database that Uber had was Cassandra. So we had to build it on top of Cassandra, which actually wasn't easy because Cassandra, especially we are fully transactional service. So we had to use uh, transactions uh, everywhere. Uh, Cassandra wasn't database which was built for high scale uh, throughput on transactions. So we had to spend a lot of time to make it work. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. You've got the first version built. You've got it out there. How did you progress the product from there? And I'm curious about, you know, roadmap. How do you go about building your roadmap? What process or criteria did you use to decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to address or build with Temporal? We are super developer-focused. From the first days of the project, it was about developers because we are a developer tool. We practically help developers to build their applications. So most of the new feature ideas come from talking to developers. And I still talk to developers all the time. I still even do support tickets and answer questions in the Slack. And one of the main reasons I do that because I want to understand developers and what they're going through. Back then, it was like just constant. Every new use case, every new problem, we were looking and say, okay, we are missing this abstraction, we are missing that. So that was mostly this loop of constant improvements. And sometimes you get uh, big features which you have to have. For example, at Uber, you cannot run high import, like any important application if you cannot sustain a original outage. So we had to build multi-region replication stack, which is super non-trivial, but that was practically a requirement to be able to use by like most important services at Uber. So that was the largest investment after we made the initial project. 
And then obviously things like, for example, new language support. At Uber, we initially supported only Go as an SDK, but then we added Java. And now as a company, we decided that we want to support as many languages as we can. We support six languages right now, like C-sharp, Python, Go, Java, TypeScript, PHP, and recently we had .NET. So we want to meet developers where they are. It's very expensive to create new SDKs, but we believe that it's worth it. So let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? We actually discussed recently with my co-founder what was the hardest in starting the company. And we agreed that hiring first 15 people was probably the hardest. We were lucky because we started the company already having product product market fit because our open source was already getting pretty reasonable adoption and had some users which were big fans of ours. But hiring first few people, especially in Seattle, was very hard because people in Seattle are not as versed about startups, how equity works, and they all worked for large companies mostly. And type of engineers we needed, they usually can get job in any fun company, no problem. And uh, that was very hard. What we are looking for, I think, a few things. First, caring about customers, which are developers in our case, a lot, right? So you just don't build cool, cool solutions, you build cool solutions for the customers, for users. And then uh, attention to detail. We are in the business of selling practical reliability because our service runs the most demanding and important workloads for every company. So we put a lot of effort to make sure that this is as reliable as possible. And also ability to work independently, right? You want somebody who's able to produce and work independently. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vassell edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech CodeStory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech CodeStory. Terso. Welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This will be really interesting. I'm curious about scalability, right? Given your, you know, the history of, of what, you know, you've built, the product that you built itself, you know, I hear you talking about, you know, Cassandra and the difficulties there, but I'm curious about was this built to scale efficiently from day one or with scale in mind, or have you been fighting this as you grow in any sort of capacity in anywhere? 
we are super lucky here because again we had experience with Amazon and we built a a public database service and then later uh, my co-founder worked uh, at Azure and he was also overseeing uh, public uh, Azure service we had a lot of experience building large-scale systems so we built uh, Temporal from the beginning as a large-scale uh, multi-tenant service which is usually opposite of what people do right they think about developer experience and then they think about backend as an afterthought and in our case we cared about developer experience but backend was actually fought through from the beginning to be practically infinitely scalable and so far we actually achieved that because we were able to saturate any database we throw at it we ran this over 100 nodes cassandra clusters and right now we built our own persistence layer just for our internal kind of cloud offering which our company provides for the hosted version and we were able to do for example million updates per second on a single database we called namespace and we could go higher it's just we didn't want to pay that large database bill for the infrastructure at the same time as we hit the scalability of any database we always found workloads which would exceed any database scalability even cassandra one that's why we had to build our custom persistence layer because we wanted to be able to scale practically infinitely as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? At this point, I think the most I'm proud of is actually our developer community because you build something and you can be super proud of the technical details of that thing or how cool it is, but if people don't care, that it's different. We created something which people care about. We have a very active community. We have a lot of champions who are bringing the Temporal to their companies. We just had our conference two weeks ago. It's called Replay, and we had over 500 people there. And just energy of all these people being there was and really liking the product and talking about that. That was really amazing. Other thing which I'm super, super proud of is just our team. I think Temporal team is amazing. Like I've heard it from multiple people and multiple employees that this is the strongest team, not only engineering, but in general team they ever worked with. Okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. I don't think we made any kind of big strategic mistakes, mostly because we had product market fit before we started the company. There were quite a few tactical ones around hiring sometimes, around defining roles, so just defining certain functions. As both of me and uh, some are technical co-founders, we didn't understand uh, the value of all other, uh, what all other functions of the company should be. So it took us quite a while to just even understand what we need to build. Initially, one of the big, I wouldn't say mistakes, but what happened is that we started the company, we always worked in, in offices. So we wanted to create a normal company which works from an office. And we started in Seattle, in Bellevue. What happened? COVID happened. <laughs> and for a year, we were resisting everybody's urge to hire people outside of Seattle. We were working from homes and we said, no, we will only hire people in the Seattle area. And at some point, we couldn't hire anyone for over two months. And we kind of, okay, we need to go remote. And we became a fully remote company. And I think it was a very good decision because type of talent we are able to get right now, especially in leadership positions and like in just engineers, is amazing. Creates a lot of challenges, obviously, especially for me who never worked for a remote company, it's a challenge. But I think at the end, everybody won. So this will be fun. 
with Temporal, what does the future look like for the product and for your team? I think the most important part for, for us as a product is just awareness because this new way to write distributed systems for durable execution is amazing. People love it. But problem is that most developers never heard about it. So that is the most important thing for us is just become ubiquitous. I want every developer to use durable execution when they think about their next backend system. We as a business and as open source project, so we want to become as ubiquitous as something like Kubernetes, for example, or even more. But at the same time, as a business, I think we have a very good way to monetize that. We have a cloud service, which is SaaS offering. We believe that we would be able to scale that service to the needs of every business. Longer term, I think we will have an amazing cloud business and with very significant revenue. Our goal is that uh, most businesses out there use Temporal for their business-critical applications. And we already have a lot of examples. When I drive from, for example, from San Francisco airport to San Francisco on a business trip, probably more than half of the billboards are users or customers of Temporal, so which makes me pretty proud. Okay, let's switch to you, Maxim. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. I don't think there is one person. I don't know, at least like I say, I, I try to copy. I'm certainly very influenced by Amazon in general because I worked eight and a half years at Amazon. And the most thing which amazed me at Amazon, how it was able to grow so large, so fast. And at the same time, maintain that ability to people feel that urgency, right? Amazon, probably the only like large company I worked with, then every team feels like a startup and every team feels understaffed and every team feels like they have more work to do than they can do and they're super excited to deliver that to the customers and they're very super customer oriented. I think this is something which I admire and this is something which I absolutely want to maintain in Temporal as well. Other thing is that as I have physics education originally, I think a little bit differently than most people. I think Elon Musk mentioned it once that he tries to think from first principles because he has physics degree. Related to myself, I thought I cannot do the same thing, is that very frequently I look at the problem very differently than most engineers because of my different education. We talked about a mistake, right? But this is a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? It doesn't have to be something that didn't work out. It could have been something that worked and worked well, but maybe you'd tweak it a little bit. There are a few things. One is that I probably would start a company, my first company, probably 15, 20 years earlier if I realized how these things work. Because I had quite a few ideas which would be absolutely monetizable and I could build large companies around them. At the same time, I'm probably a much better person right now than I was 20 years ago. Empathy wasn't my thing. <laughs> so I think I certainly much better CEO now than I would be 20 years ago. I like building things. So my usual operational mode was start the project, prototype the project, put the first version out, maybe second version out, and then move to the next thing. And I did it multiple times in my career. The problem is that most projects I started, they stagnated after I left. It's not like they died, it's just they didn't move to the next level. And I almost left actually the temporal project, like Karen's project at Uber, because we launched the first version, it was growing fast, everything was fine. I'm like, okay, I've done most of it. Let me do some, something else. For some reason, something stopped me because I just believed that this is such, such a huge opportunity in general uh, that I just wanted to see it to the end. And I'm still seeing it to the end. <laughs> Last question. So you're getting on a plane. 
and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? It's a marathon, right? So you need to be prepared for years and maybe tens of years to work on this thing, keep working on that thing and be passionate about it. You need to find passionate users and passionate people who like understand your next big thing and love your next big thing. And it shouldn't be your friends. Like It should be people outside of your immediate circle. If you can do that, then uh, it's execution, which is not easy, but it's possible. <laughs> That's fantastic advice. Well, Maxim, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Temporal. Thank you. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. <laughs>